Hey everyone, in this episode of Starting From Scratch, I sit down with my father, Doug Archer, and talk about his journey of writing a series of children's novels in retirement called The Cold Case Kids and selling over 10,000 copies to date. We talk about the importance of the writing process, collecting ongoing feedback from your target audience, the logistics behind how he is actually printing and selling his books, the key lesson of retiring to something, not from something, and how putting yourself out there can lead to unimaginable opportunities, like your book turning into a movie. I think this talk is going to be super valuable to anyone looking to successfully write and sell their own book, and I really hope you enjoy it. Before getting started, I would highly recommend going to www.coldcasekids.com to learn more about my dad's novels. I think it will really help for when you listen to the podcast. Dad, welcome to the show. Thank Uh, you. Let's start off with a quick two minutes of your background. All right. So like from your youth to as you were growing up through your career, was writing always part of the process? Yeah, I mean, I think I've always been interested in writing. Actually, I probably got, I can tell you a story, I got hooked on writing in grade three, Um, because I used to write, uh, well, actually, the teacher asked us all in the class to write Mm -hmm. stories and hand them in, Mm -hmm. so I wrote one about giant spiders attacking a small town. (laughs) (laughs) I had this thing about spiders. I always loved spiders. I still love them today. So I handed the story in, and the teacher liked it, so she asked me to come up to the front of the class to read it. Mm. So I went up to the front of the class, little three-year-old, you know, or not grade three, but yeah. it's probably about eight or something yeah. like that. And uh, I read it out to my classmates, and at the end, they were so excited about it, they all clapped for oh, me. Oh, wow. So at that point, I was hooked. Just the uh, the idea that I could take the thoughts that were swirling around in my head, the ideas, and there were lots of them, yeah. and through the written word, entertain people. Mm-hmm. Well, I just knew at that point, I, I had to do that. Right. So... At that point, did you think it was the writing that entertained them or the way you delivered it to the class? Probably a bit of both, okay. yeah, because the story was pretty good, if I do say so. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> giant tarantulas attacking a town, so it caught their attention. Yeah. But probably I, I delivered it pretty well, too. Yeah. 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 Good. So then after that, I used to keep a journal. Um, right. Yeah. So, I mean, because I had all these ideas, and I think uh, I can credit my mom with that, because uh, I used to bug her all the time with all these, telling her these tales that okay. I had, these ideas went in my head. I think she, after a while, I got tired of it. So she said, why don't you just write them down in a, in a little book? So she bought me a journal, and I've kind of kept a journal probably every day, or not, maybe not every day, but ever since for sure. Mm-hmm. And I still do a lot of jottings and journals. Yeah. yeah. And then I really got hooked in grade eight, because I, uh, I published my first article in grade eight. Okay. Yeah. Newspaper or magazine? A magazine, yeah. So once again, it was on spiders. <laughs> and it was actually how to raise spiders as okay. pets. You which I actually one? did. Yeah. yeah. So I'd set up a terrarium and have sticks and things like that and so they could spin their webs and feed them insects. Mm-hmm. And I actually wrote about that and sent the article into a nature magazine down in the United States. Okay. And they, they published it. it. Yeah. They actually paid me for it. Wow, how much at that time? It was only $50. But that's pretty good. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. U.S. dollars, too. Yeah. And so I was definitely hooked at that point in time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then throughout your career, I know you wrote in magazines and yep. you continued to write. Yeah, so I've written like, hundreds of articles and stories yeah. for newspapers and magazines basically throughout my life. After yeah. That. Yeah. yeah. And about your profession in accounting, too, right? Yep. So yeah, because we I actually went to school and became an accountant then. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I used I used to write uh, I had written many articles on risk assessment and 
mm-hmm. and how to set up control systems, things like that in businesses. Yeah. So a lot of business you're writing as right. well as um, more family oriented, entertaining stories. Yeah. Right? So you're able to use your writing skill towards different things in your life and make productions and publications from that stuff. Right? Correct. That's yeah. right, yeah. Uh, Plus, it, I mean, it just helps in any environment, too, being able to, just even in the business world, I mean, as an accountant, just being right. able to write and communicate your ideas through yeah. writing or speaking. Yeah. Uh, very useful mm-hmm. skill to have. So, yeah. Okay, so then you retired in 2013, Yep. Yep, yeah. I did, yes. And what was your thought process going into retirement? So I've always believed that you should retire to something and not from something. Right. Okay. You shouldn't just be trying to run away from uh, the nine to five job. Yeah. And then sit at home and not really have anything to do. So. Yeah. So what I wanted to retire to was a lot more writing, and I've always had it in my head that, uh, as I say, I've written hundreds of articles and stories, but I'd never written a book, mm-hmm. and I had in my head that I wanted to write a book. Okay. And I had an idea for a book. Right. And. Uh, the idea for the book was sort of based on, there's an old adage for writers, write about what you know. Mm. And I think that's a, a good adage to have because it, it just it comes through in the writing that the writing seems more real to write about something right. that you know about. It doesn't mean you can't use your imagination to twist it around, but so it'll start with telling you what you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, <coughs> we were really, where we live here, you can probably see that a little bit in the background, is Lake Huron near Southampton. And there's a beautiful island there called Chantry Island with a lighthouse on it. And I can actually see the lighthouse. We can see the lighthouse yeah. from our front yeah. lawn. Yeah. And when there was, when you, when my eldest son, you know, your brother, mm-hmm. Jordan, was 11, we were down there on the beach looking out at the island, and he asked if there'd ever been any pirates on Great Lakes. Right. And at the time, I didn't know, but I asked him why. Why do you, why do you ask that? And he said because he thought that Chantry Island and the lighthouse would have made a great pirate hideout. Ah. So that, that he was eleven at the time. Yeah. That idea stuck with me until I retired, yeah. and I thought that might be a good idea for a story. Yeah. And that's what I retired to to write right. that story. Yeah. yeah, that's good. I didn't know that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Little gem there. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so you have this idea yeah. to write a children's novel. How do you actually go about getting the idea out of your head and executing it onto paper? Because I always start with, uh, even with stories and articles, but especially with a book, you can't just sit down and start writing and hope that a story comes mm-hmm. out. So you've got to sit back. So I always do what's called a storyboard. Okay. And for the, the novel, Rule's Goal, which I'll show you in a minute, um, took me three and a half months to do the storyboard <laughs> with Rule's Goal. Wow. And I actually had a, a sheet of paper, you remember that, it was oh, about yeah. four feet high, and it was about 40 feet long, and I hung it on the basement wall. Yeah, and then I used to use sticky notes to put up ideas I had on the uh, on this great big sheet of brown paper, right? mm-hmm. and I keep sticky notes with me all the time, even at you know my bedside table and bedside table, so that if I wake up at two o'clock in the morning, I can oh, jot yeah. the ideas down. Yeah. And and then every three or four days, I go down there and put the different ideas I had up on the storyboard, right? And try to shape them into a story, you know. How is it going to begin? What's going to be the rising action, the climax, and the fallout? Sort of shape that whole story. Not infinite detail, mm-hmm. but enough detail that it becomes my roadmap for what it is I'm going to write. Right. And at the same time, I also develop the characters for the story, mm-hmm. also on that storyboard. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I wrote, sort of fleshed out the main characters for the story. And after three and a half months, I actually had this map laid out. Yeah. 
once I have the map laid out and I know I'm going, then I started to actually write. Okay. And I tried to write five days a week for about three to four hours a day. The reason I do that is because um, if you if you stay consistently at it and keep writing a little bit each day, then you don't have to relearn the story every time <laughs> right, you, you come right. back to it. Yeah. So I mean, if you if you leave it for three or four weeks, then you come back to it, and you almost have to start again. And say, yeah. What was I writing about? It's right? a lot of inertia. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. So I have to keep going with it. Mm-hmm. And that also helps in generation of ideas for dialogue things like that because you're always thinking about it. If you're always doing it, then even when, when you're not actually doing the physical writing. It's always in your head, so right. you're, you're, you're creating the story more in your head. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. So, I, and, and what I did was, uh, even though I ended up spending about three or four hours a day, mm-hmm. I don't actually do it by time, because you could sit for three or four hours and just stare at a blank page and get nothing done. <laughs> right. So I tried to do it by volume. Uh, okay. I tried to write five hundred words each day. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's a good yeah. metric. Yeah. <laughs> and it might be different from other people, but. but the idea is to sort of keep at it. Yeah. A, uh, Were you ever worried basis. about ch- churning out like 500 useless words a day? or um, Sometimes, yeah. Or? But, I mean, there's, because uh, I, I tell you about the draft, because there's drafts that you go through too, mm-hmm. right? And that first version is called the, da- I call it the down draft, where you just dump the story out. Okay. So, I try to be as, I, that's the most fun at that part because I, I try to be as creative as, as I can be yeah. and just get the story out. And I don't, I don't keep stopping myself in editing because you never get the story out if you keep editing, right? Yeah. Stop yourself. Yeah. So I just dump it all out. Okay. So there are actually times when I was writing stuff which I knew wouldn't be in the story oh, at the okay. end that I yeah. cut out, but I still wrote it. Okay? Just to maintain just, just the Just to maintain writing. the flow yeah. and keep it going. Yeah. 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 Cause I mean, I'll show you the book. <laughs> Google's gold. I mean, yeah. This book is about 500 pages long, the published version. Mm-hmm. Um, when I finished that first draft, it was over 600 pages long, about 640 pages long. Mm-hmm. So I actually had a, once I finished that down draft, I got the story out. Then I went to the hard part, which is the editing process. I actually cut out about 140 pages yeah. during the editing process and right. kind of left them on the floor, right? But yeah. It wasn't going to use them. Yeah. yeah. What does that look like, the editing process? Yeah. So, um, as I say, the down draft, which takes the longest time, it took me about a year and a half to do the down draft. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's the most fun. Then the hard work begins. Um, and I go through th- at least three drafts after that. I go through the, the main draft, which I call the up draft, mm-hmm. which is where you sort of make sure the story makes sense. Okay. Step back, read what you've written, and say, does this story make sense? Are there holes in it I need to fill in? Mm-hmm. Is it too much in detail? Are there boring spots? Sort of cut stuff like that out. Mm-hmm. And at that point, during the updraft, to help determine whether there was boring stuff or whether it was, it was flowing as a story, I actually went out to my target audience. Mm-hmm. So there's a couple of grade schools in the area, and I approached their teachers and asked if I could come to the classes and read sections of the novel, the draft, mm-hmm. and get their feedback on it. Right. So the teachers thought this was great because they could work it into their curriculum, right? So, yeah. so they're quite willing to help me yeah so i'd go into grade uh you know four or five and six classes and i'd read sections of the story to them mm-hmm. and then have a series of questions and ask them whether the characters were realistic did they did they the way they talked did that seem realistic to them were the interesting characters was the action good did it keep did you, did you want to read more yeah uh, or is it boring what was dull about it? things like that and based on their feedback that helped me edit the story when i go, went back home mm-hmm so I did that for a couple of months. I, as I was doing the editing, I'd go in and read the, those various classes in different sections, yeah. Wow. And get that feedback from my target audience. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. 
So that definitely helped in the in that updraft. Okay, it took about eight months to do that updraft mm-hmm. to really shape the story. Yeah, and then I do after I learned to do a, what's called a polish edit, mm-hmm. where now you've got a story. I, I go through the, the the story and make sure that every sentence is good. Okay, every sentence flows and cut stuff out that doesn't. Okay, get, get a nice flow to it and polish the, the manuscript. Okay, mm-hmm. and then there's a fourth one which is more of a copy edit, which is just making sure all the punctuation and the grammar and things like that are good. Right. Yeah. Important. Administrative. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So that, all in all, how long did that? Took, uh, the total <laughs> was about three and a half years for the first novel. Yeah. Wow. Including all the storyboarding. And, yeah. 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 So do you have any advice for someone who thinks they can write a book in less than a year and get it out to the world? <laughs> good luck no yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean uh, I guess it, it could be done okay um, I mean it depends on, mine was a pretty substantial book too like it's 500 pages long yeah. the finished product so I mean if you made a um, a shorter novel mm-hmm. one uh, it would work but uh, and also if you wrote maybe you want to write six or seven days a week and you want to write for seven mm-hmm. or eight hours yeah. okay um, so you guess you could condense it yeah and, and there are writers that do that so and, and as I mean, I, I'm write, writing sequels now, of, yeah. as you know, and uh, each time it gets shorter. It took me just under three mm-hmm. years to write the second one, and I figured about two years to write the third. But, right. yeah. yeah, so. But regardless, like, patience and consistent hard work is, that, is mandatory. It's exactly right, yeah, yeah. I mean, it is a labor of love, but there's also a lot of work involved, right? Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Um, so I, key things are stick to it. Like try to write, as I say, fairly regularly. It was for me, it was five times a week, um, and try to get a, a certain amount each day, so that the story stays fresh with you. Mm-hmm. Have fun with the the down draft, and don't stop yourself. Get it out, get the story out, and then the hard work begins with the editing. Right. Yeah. And never scrimp on the hard work because the editing part actually turns it into a real story. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The least fun part is the most important. Is the most it's typically important. how it goes. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and where possible, get people to uh, read yeah. parts of the manuscript and give it advice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but not till the updraft, like the second draft. Okay. During that down draft, you kind of just want to get the ideas out. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So then, you went through the process of writing the novel, and now you have almost this new problem of getting. So the thing you've written into people's hands in a hard copy so that they can read. Yes, so how did yes. you go about navigating that new terrain to you? Okay. And figuring out how there's to a, do that. Because <clears throat> as I was writing it, because I mean, I knew I want a good cover for one thing. Yeah. Good cover makes is important. But also throughout the book, there are different uh, pictures in it. So it's not a it's not a picture book. I mean, it's a full chapter book. But there are different pictures in it, like black and white pictures. Yeah. Let's see if I can flip one here. Yeah. You. Here, like this, yeah, okay. So, like black and white photographs, yeah, or uh, pictures. So, there's about 10 or 12 of those throughout the book. And so, as I was writing it, um, I started to think about who would be the illustrator. Mm-hmm. And it just so happens that somebody I used to work with was married to an illustrator. Mm-hmm. So, I approached her, and together, we talked to her husband. And I pitched him the idea, and he loved it. Yeah. So he said, yeah, he was he was definitely on board for that, to, to be the illustrator and to design the cover. Okay? 
I mean, they had to negotiate a price, what he was going to do that for, but we negotiated a fair price. And so he, so when I was um, probably most of the way through the updraft, that second draft, I sent him a full copy of the manuscript. Okay. Okay, so he started to read it and get ideas. Plus, I sent him a list of the areas where I thought the illustrations should be. Mm-hmm. Okay. Key so points. Key, no, key points, that's yeah. right, yeah. So together we worked, started to work on the illustrations. Okay. So having that illustrator was really helpful. I mean, another way to do it, I guess, to check the internet and things like that, but, or ask friends. But, yeah. Oh, but yeah. I just happened to, to know someone whose husband was an illustrator. So, yeah. um, so that worked really well. And, and he came up a couple of times to the area, and so we, I took him around to the area so he could see the various sites uh, that I featured in the book. Mm-hmm. And based on that, he started to do illustrations, which he'd send to me, and then I'd send back. So we went back and forth until we got the pictures just right. Yeah. But he also, because, uh, so there's an illustrator actually put the thing together, but then you need a designer, okay? Someone once, I mean, he was pretty good at designing the cover and that, but, but for the inside of the book and the layout, in terms of the uh, the fonts and and how the chapters would look, you actually needed a, a designer, mm. okay. And those you can go online and check you know, for designers on the internet. He happened to know some, okay, because okay. he, he happened to travels in those neck, those yep. kinds of circles, right? Yep. So he knew a designer, somebody from the states actually, um, who was quite good, and uh, so we used her mm-hmm. and, and used her on both books actually. Okay. So yeah. basically, what we do is we send her the finished product. And she shapes it with, with ideas on you know, how we want the fonts to look and things like that. And she puts the whole book together, including the cover. Okay. Because there's some good parts in your book where it's like uh, it's like something etched on a wooden board or something that the kids find. Yes. And yeah. then the font is different it's for different. something like That's that. That's right. So, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So you want that to, yeah. So you want, because the font's different for that. There's actually scenes in, in the book too where the uh, things like that. Where they're reading from a, di- a diary they found. Mm-hmm. Okay, so mm-hmm. that font's different too, compared to the rest of the font. Yeah, but there, are, yeah, there's actually scenes where they actually carve stuff into a board and that's written out as well. So, and just to how the uh, the chapters are headed up to. Here's another. Here's another picture as well. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, the chapters, where is that? Just the headings of the chapters, kind of spooky looking writing. Yeah, and then there's uh, there's parts to it as well. Part five, which is how that looks. So the mm-hmm. whole layout of the book mm-hmm. um, is really a designer, okay? Right. Based on the ideas that both myself and the illustrator have on how it should look. Yeah. Okay, so the, the designer does that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then you actually have to get the thing once you've got it all designed and laid out and the illustrations in it. We had to work with a. I had to get a printer. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so it happened that between the designer and the illustrator. They need printers they as well. Printers. Okay. We can go online for things like that. But, oh, yeah. Um, but they happen to know them. Right. So what we do is, um, so they had one is, uh, down in Quebec. There's an English uh, printer in Quebec. Yeah. Who they'd done work with before and thought was good. Mm-hmm. So I went, I need to be convinced though. So all these printers will send you copies of their work. Okay. okay. So and so, so will designers actually. Okay. So the design, designers sent me copies of their work as well. For free, just for free, yeah, yeah. That's right. Just so they're looking for the business, that's yeah. Right. So, for the printers, I actually asked them to send me copies of different types of books, okay, different sizes. I had a s- sense of the size I want, okay, because some books are some books can be that high, a little bit thicker, wider, mm-hmm. you know, that. So, pick this, pick the type you want, but 
to help me pick the type I want, I also ask them to send me different types. Okay, right. one this size, one a little taller, a little uh, thicker. And so they sent me about eight different books that they'd done with different types of print too on the on the cover, like glossy covers and flat covers, uh, matte covers, things mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. So they send you all that, and I didn't mean to send it back. They just gave oh, me wow. a copy of each of them. That's right. So based on that, I said, okay, I like the work they do. And I also was able to, to focus in on the type I want, okay, size and, and the type of cover. So that was very useful too. But, but all of them will do it. So they'll mm -hmm. all send you copies of their work. Yeah. So based on that, uh, and so yeah, we like this. And then we got, of course, the key thing was pricing. Yeah. So, so they'll send you prices too for different volumes. Again, you can get like 200 books up to 10,000 books. Yeah. Much, so. Right. They'll send you a price for that, and of course, the more you order, the, the less cost per volume. So. And what do you have to send them for them to be able to print the finished design manuscript? Uh, yeah, so yeah. Uh, the designer sends it in <laughs> electronically. Yes. Okay, so the designer plus the illustrator, um, they work together to they create a separate file for the cover, mm -hmm. and then another file. It's two, basically two files: one file for the cover and one file for everything else. Right. Okay, so because I've done mine electronically. What I did is I sent my manuscript to the designer, yeah. and she plays with it using specific uh, book, book software and tools. Yeah. That's right, and creates the layout, and then she submits that to the printer, and then and the uh, covered file goes to the printer as well. Right, and that's all they need. Yeah. And then they'll send you. I mean, that that process too. Once they lay it all out and print it once, mm -hmm. it's, it's electronic printing. They send it back to me as the author. And I have to do a, a final check on it. I have verify to see it, it. Verify it looks good. The layout looks good. And then I actually, I read, I read through every every time they send it back to me. I spend two days and just sit down and spend basically fourteen hours a day for two days reading through it word by word uh -huh. and making sure it's all right. And yeah. it was worthwhile because I found some errors. Yeah. And then you just keep a log of all the errors. And then at the end, ship it back to me after two days with the errors and they can make the corrections. Mm -hmm. They send it back to you and you can just check the corrections then. You don't have to read the whole thing again. And then once it's perfect, you're good to go. Yeah. And then it's a, then they print away. Yeah. And ship it. Yeah. And then for shipping, you just get it shipped here to your house. Yeah, I just yeah. get it shipped to the house. That's right. Yeah. 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 So, Come and, in. and I've had large quantities shipped. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Big skids arrive. <laughs> Picked one of the rooms and used that as storage. That's room. right, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, the office is used for storage. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> so. so, you did all of this for your first book, Ghoul's yeah. Gold. Ghoul's Gold. And that yeah. was released when? Uh, September the 18th, 2015. I remember it well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's been a great success so far. Yeah, because, uh, I mean, I wasn't sure how it would sell. Right. So, I only ordered 200 copies to begin with. Okay. I figured, nah, maybe I'll be lucky if I sell 50 of them, and I'll give the other 150 to libraries and stuff like that <laughs> to take. Boy, was I surprised. Yeah, Because <laughs> yeah. it just took off. Because what I did was, um, even before I had the book launch, we arranged a, a book launch with the public library in the area, okay? And they, they'll often do this for free, okay? Uh, but before we even had the official book launch, somebody told me that going to craft shows and fairs, fall fairs, was a good way to for vendors or vendors of anything to sell stuff. Mm -hmm. So we have a big thing in Port Elgin called Pumpkin Fest, which is a fall fair. So I went to Pumpkin Fest and 
basically I had a table, rented a table, it was a two day affair. And I figured, ah, maybe I'll sell a few. Sold, it completely sold the 200 out within about the first half day. <laughs> <laughs> and then the rest of the time, I kept a few copies back so I could show people. I took orders. Yeah. People actually ordered. So wow. I actually had like orders for another couple hundred that I didn't even give them. Yeah. And uh, so after that fall fair, I had to talk to uh, the printer and get like a thousand of the, of the books sent out. Okay. Yeah. Because <laughs> it was on a roll. Yeah. So yeah. I'd already sold like over 400 of them at the, uh, at the fall fair. Yeah. And I had other fairs booked. And you had the and book I had, launch. And I still hadn't even had the book launch yet. Yeah. And we decided to have two book launches, one here in Port Elgin, where I live, and one in Toronto as well. Because that's where the illustrator's from, so he actually arranged for uh, a venue there for a book launch. Mm -hmm. So it just took off. <laughs> yeah. And part of it was, I think, because we we also did a good job. Because I mean, that was we went through the fall fairs, and then uh, I mean, I started to read. I went back to the local schools I'd worked with here, yeah. and actually went into the schools and did readings from the published manuscripts. Okay. And then the kids all lined up like literally they were lined up at the gym kind of thing to buy the book at the, the reading mm -hmm. okay? so it caught on then all the other teachers started to tell their friends and I, I suggested yeah, if you liked it tell your uh, at that time you didn't have books to sell them uh, or uh, no because I because I, I immediately got in a second order oh okay and started so this is once the thousand okay yeah so I'm out there reading the schools yeah and the teachers are listening too and and I guess I, I can make the readings pretty entertaining as well. So, yeah. yeah. And they saw the enthusiasm of the kids. Not only did I do the readings, I also talked to them about the writing process too. So the teachers loved it because I was entertaining them and inspiring them, but also yeah. answering questions about the writing process, yeah. okay, which teachers you know, try to teach the kids. So right. I actually taught or talked to them about editing and things that had important with it. So. Yeah. so the teachers loved it. So they started to tell other teachers in other schools mm -hmm. And before I know it, I was basically touring around the Bruce Peninsula, doing readings to schools throughout the area. Yeah. And then the Toronto School Board caught wind of it, and they picked me up, and I did at least a hundred schools throughout Toronto, yeah. around Toronto, just on a on a whole, which I love to do the readings. And at every reading, hundred like kids would come up to buy the book. Mm -hmm. yeah. So it was selling thousands and thousands of copies of this book. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I thought it was going to sell 50. So. Yeah. But part of the reason I think that uh, we did a good job to selling it is not only that, that I do the readings, which helps entertain people, but at the the, uh, the markets and craft shows and things like that, we go to, and, uh, and Christmas shows, all that. I have uh, like sort of, um, I don't know, wait, sort of media, I guess, to, to, to promote the book. Okay? Mm -hmm. So not only do we have a good product with a great cover on it but things like this that can under, underestimate the importance of things like posters okay? yeah so I always put the posters up too I have a great big banner that goes across I say the front of a table mm -hmm. okay which talks about ghouls ghouls get really looks great yeah we have uh, bookmarks things like bookmarks here's a ghouls gold bookmark okay here's a second one legend of the phantom reaper but and then book boxes Okay, yeah. for, for displaying the books in. Okay, because yeah. I went to all kinds of local bookstores as well, and showed them like the book, but then also bookmarks and the book box, and they were intrigued. So they all put the books up in their stores as well. Yeah, 
Some bought them outright. Others were on consignment. I just kept track of that, though. So, yeah. so suddenly the book's in all the stores as well. And, and then, like what, what types of stores? Not just bookstores. Not just, yeah. Local. Like, um, bookstores, but uh, museums yeah. as well. Um, coffee shops. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, there's some, some toy stores in town or throughout the uh, area in different towns. And it's in the, the toy stores as well. Yeah. Because it's a, ch- it's, I mean, the ideal age for this book is 8 to 13. Right. Uh, I would say 8 to 99, though, because you're never too old for an adventure. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but, so toy stores would pick up as well. Yeah. So, yeah. It went, so, I think that helps having promotional material. I guess that's the right word for it. Mm-hmm. Um, really helps. Talk <laughs> about that. Like, how did you get all this stuff made? So, again, through the illustrator. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because, I mean, this is basically your picture of the cover, okay, uh, the front cover, and then the back cover on the book actually has the uh, main characters, so we just put them all on the poster, but um, the illustrator has that information already electronically, and he actually knew, uh, like a print shop in Toronto, that did yeah. the poster, so we just, we just sent the file He designed to, it. And yeah, that's right, he designed it, it and we just sent it in. Yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. So, same with the bookmarks. Yeah. The illustrator worked with me to design those, okay? And the book boxes. These were sent to the same printer as did the posters. Okay. Actually, the same for the uh, bookmarks yeah. as well. Um, to print up the box posters. Yeah. Uh, the book boxes, rather. Because um, you can actually fit three books into this box so that bookstores can put it on display. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it gets lost if you just put it on the shelf. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. So they, and they it put it display. right near the cash register. A lot of them do. Yeah. Like some of them put it on the shelf, but it, if it's on the shelf with a, like this, it's better than it's better than being just sort of tucked in and I'm just looking at the, the, right. the, the spine of it, right? Yeah. There. So yeah. it stands out. Yeah. Yeah. Because another thing is that also went into chapters. Okay. Mm-hmm. Chapters indigo. Because at chapters, and this is something that people might want to know, is that um, chapters will work with uh, self published authors. Okay. You basically just have to call the consignment manager at a chap pick the chapter stores you think it'll do well in. Ones with high volume maybe some kids in the area for me yeah and uh you phone their uh consignment managers and they're quite willing to work with you um so they'll set up a time for you to come in and, and do a reading mm-hmm. uh, usually on a saturday or a sunday and it's usually about two or three hours at a time and they, they give you a table you set your books up and uh and you can meet the public and sell your book yeah and in fact i did i mean i set a record at one of the chapter stores in toronto yeah selling uh 70 books in about four hours yeah so they never actually had that done before so right yeah, yeah and then that turned into them putting it on the shelves right? that's right yeah. and they yeah that's right then they they took the book on and they put it on their shelves not only that but the manager of that store phoned all the other stores and basically yeah. all of a sudden i was out visiting all the chapters right yeah oh that's cool mm-hmm. maybe because i know the school readings are a big sales channel for you yeah they are yeah. so yeah for someone who isn't writing a children's novel and can't go directly to schools, do you think they could go somewhere else for something that's more applicable to their book? Like, for example, I don't know if it was a business book or for some older people that yep. were their target audience. Yep. Do you have any advice for how they could go and do a reading to their target audience? Because mm-hmm. I mean, it's depending how old the target is, but a lot of uh, cities and towns I mean, are book clubs. Mm-hmm. You'll find a lot of book clubs, I mean, certainly around here for sure, but all throughout Toronto, there's just like hundreds of book clubs out there that 
people that get like 20, 30, 40 people that read the same book and then get together once a month to discuss that book and share ideas on it. Right. right. And those book clubs are always looking for people to read to as well, to read to them as well. Okay. They, they like the idea of, of live authors coming in and reading their books. Mm -hmm. And if you do that, most of them will buy the book and then they'll probably read the book as part of their book club and discuss it as well. Right. So not only are you selling copies, but you're getting word of mouth. If it's a good book, then they start telling other people and it just sort of escalates from there. Yeah. <clears throat> because I've done that even though my book is a children's book. Mm -hmm. Book clubs in this area have asked me to come in and speak to them. Okay. okay? Yeah. yeah. And so it's, and, and they end up buying the book oftentimes for grandkids or, or children, but sometimes just to read it themselves. Yeah. A lot of people like to read children's books even if they're uh, if they're adults. But yeah, I think book clubs are another good avenue okay. to follow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> All right, so then looking ahead, what's in the works? I know you're writing your third book right now. Yeah, so uh, the first one was Ghoul's Gold, and then the second right. was a sequel to that with yeah. the same cold case kids in the back here, but it's called... Uh, Legend of the Phantom Reaper. Yeah. And now I'm hard at work on my third book. Because, I mean, because um, after the first one, Ghoul's Gold, there was pent-up demand for the second. Right. Every time I read at schools, kids would be asking, okay, or they, they saw me at craft shows, and they want to know, when's the second book coming out? Okay. So there was pent-up demand. So the sales of the second book are going really well as well. Mm -hmm. Because all the people that bought the first one are coming back to get the second one. So I'm hard at work on the third one as well. It's going to be a trilogy, yeah. and uh, that'll probably be out in about a year and a half. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. So, yeah. Anything else? I, and then, um, I mean, I have some ideas swirling in the back of my head for another series. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So um, I won't say a whole lot about that. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> Secret. Etc. Right yeah. Because yeah, I don't like to talk about stuff until I flesh them out. But yeah. Um, but yeah. So I think after we've done three of these, then uh, I'll probably tackle another yeah. series. But if probably be another young readers uh series as well mm -hmm. yeah okay so, yeah you like that target I, I do yeah yeah, yeah. i think because i'm a kid at heart so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so and then you were mentioning that there might be a play for, oh yeah so yeah i mean just just how things escalate yeah like i said if you read to a book club or something that they start to tell other people and it escalates. Or if you read to school, the kids start to talk about it, the teachers talk about it, and all of a sudden it escalates. Mm -hmm. um, and, and you get pulled into other things. So it does start to take on a life of its own, which is good and exciting. Yeah. Um, so it turned out that, um, I think it was through one of the book clubs, but some a lot of people started to talk about, wouldn't this make a great play in our, in our area? Because where we live, it's sort of beach town. It's on Lake Huron. And uh, they do have live theater in town. And some people started to say that that would make a great story, a great play for this area. And so word actually got to the director, the one that runs the, uh, the, the uh, playhouse, the Bruce, Bruce County Playhouse is called. And she contacted me. And we had a meeting. And she, uh, we sat down and she asked whether I'd be interested in having Ghoul's Gold turned into a theater production. She actually even talked about a movie in the area. <laughs> yeah. So we talked about theater production and a movie. So there's real interest in doing that. Yeah. And she's going to spearhead that. So, in fact, this fall, she's going to, because yeah, she's experienced that, she's going to actually turn Ghoul's Gold into a screenplay. Okay? Mm -hmm. 
And then when she's done that, she'll sit down with me to, to go through it and make sure I'm okay with it. And then the idea is to, uh, she's gonna push to promote this as uh, either a movie or a theater production. Yeah. And she has contacts for, for raising the finances to do that. Yeah. So it was real interest in it. Yeah, because she read the book and was what loved it. So she came to the meeting with the book all marked up and how it could be turned into a screenplay. And it sounds like there's real interest in doing that. That's so, crazy. Yeah, that's just completely unexpected. Right? Yeah. And, uh, just and by just, putting yourself out there, this opportunity comes around that you probably never would have pursued otherwise. Absolutely, that's right. Yeah. yeah. It wouldn't even cross my mind. Yeah. No, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's super exciting. Yeah. Because every time I go to, to read at schools, all the kids want to know, when's the movie coming out? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was like back in 2015, that was the joke. Like between I us. I used to just laugh about it. That's yeah. what I tell you guys, and yeah. we laugh about it. And now, people are actually talking about making it into a movie yeah. or a stage production. <laughs> so, it's becoming reality. Yeah. So, it's quite, yeah, quite exciting. And as you say, if you put yourself out there, things start to happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. All right. So, then, I guess to wrap up, moving forward, what's the top thing you want to improve on within the context of your book? Um, top thing I'd like to improve on. Because it's going pretty well. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I don't know. I, I guess you're, you're always seeking uh, even a bigger sales or uh, market. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe market expansion. Because, <clears throat> I mean, I, I'm basically up through the, out the Bruce Peninsula mm -hmm. and have cascaded into Toronto and Kitchener Waterloo and Cambridge and areas like that. Um, but going national would be exciting. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I've had, I'm on Amazon as well, so I have had international sales. There's some, but those are onesie twosies. I mean, right. there's not that much. So I'm probably expanding the market even more. Okay. Across the whole province and across the country would be exciting. Yeah. 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 So thinking of ways to do that to continue to expand that market. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, all right, Dad. All right. Thanks for being on the show. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. It was good. I've it. learned a lot, so I can only imagine what people listening or learning so excellent yeah. great yeah. <laughs> thank you mm -hmm. hey guys i really hope you enjoyed that episode i know i had a lot of fun making it i think one of the top takeaways from the discussion is the importance of getting ongoing feedback from your target customers my dad talked about how he read to elementary students as early as the updraft to collect their feedback and adjust moving forward this is really smart for writing a book and also when creating almost anything else for a base of customers. Head over to Twitter and tweet me what you thought the key takeaway was from this episode. My Twitter handle is morgs underscore archer, M-O-R-G-S underscore A-R-C-H-E-R. -E Thanks, see ya.